0: Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Housman. At this time, come on in, take a seat by the fireplace, and join us as we chat with former WWE Impact Wrestling referee, Brian Hebner. Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thank you for having me on, man. I've been very excited
1: about this. Um, I knew about it for a little while, and here we are, finally here. On the yeah. House of Wrestling.
0: House of Wrestling it is. Yes, as I was telling you off air, uh, your friend Jimmy Corderas, your co-host over on Refing It Up, your your very successful podcast, Climbing up the Canadian charts, as I saw. Um, He's been in the orbit forever. I love chatting with you. And I love chatting with referees because you have such a unique perspective on the business. You know, a lot of people say I'd love to be a fly on the wall. And in some ways, I feel like referees kind of are the fly on the wall a lot of times when it comes to pro wrestling. I don't know if that resonates with you at all when I say something like that.
1: No, most definitely. Uh, there, there's been lots of lot, lots of things probably I shouldn't have heard that I've heard, and uh, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, I've always been a guy that, that's been loyal to to, to the, the, the things that happen backstage. I keep kayfabe, and so I'm a kayfabe fly. Put it that way, a kayfabe fly.
0: Well, you grew. Your dad is obviously Earl Hebner, so you kind of grew up in a in a pro wrestling family. So let's start there. How was it being a kid that had access to pro wrestling and kind of growing up in that environment? I mean,
1: listen, I would be. Uh, an idiot to tell you it wasn't pretty cool, uh, you know, because there were lots of things where you know that you would get attention-wise that most kids wouldn't get because you know your dad's on TV every week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you know there was also downfalls too. Uh, you know, you go back to the Montreal screw job, the the the, the superhero Hulk Hogan loses his belt to your dad, uh, things of that nature, where you know kids you know take it to heart because back then you know the the, the word fake was not really revel, uh, you know, relevant. Uh, so. You know, it had its ups and downs, but way, way more ups than downs.
0: <laughs> Did you always know you wanted to get into the business and and be a referee, or, or more than that? Maybe at some point? I don't know.
1: It, it's so funny. I get asked this all the time, and um, it, my answer is going to be the same. Uh, no and yes. Uh, at first, I had this stupid, you know, illusion in my mind that I was going to be a professional wrestler. Um, Figuring my little skinny ass could actually do something. Yeah, right. Um, But it it, it quickly became I realized I wasn't going to be a wrestler. Uh, Once I started taking some bumps, you know, as a younger child, I was like, geez, this shit hurts. No way. And uh, so I was probably like, yeah, maybe my dad's the smarter man. Maybe I should be looking into that. avenue."
0: Did your dad ever have to have like the sit down talk with you? Like, I'm going to let you know how wrestling really is now. Do you remember like the first time he kind of like let you in on, on what this this business is?
1: If I told you when he told me, uh, it would be almost embarrassing. It would be almost like finding out about Santa Claus uh-huh. and, you know, how long your parents wait for that. That was kind of the same thing. Uh, my mom, you know, my mom and dad were not together. They were you know, divorced or whatever growing up. Uh, and my mom would always tell me it was fake. And I would go to my dad and say, Dad, Mom said it's fake. Uh, she didn't know what the hell she's talking about. Yada, 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 yada. And so, of course, I believe my dad. He's in the business. My mom's not. She watches soap operas. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I I, I believed him. I believed him all the up to a certain point where it was just like, okay, wait. I'm getting a little smarter here. I'm getting a little more knowledgeable. I'm starting to think that that should have been hurting way worse than it did because I just got in a fight last week and that shit hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. It, 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 he did a very, very good job of protecting it from me for a long time.
0: Almost embarrassing, seriously. Uh, so embarrassing. How old? Twelve, fifteen? How old? <sighs> Honestly, man, you're closer to the fifteen point, man. See, wow, that's crazy. You're not the first person to tell me that. That like you've been, your parents were very protective about that. That's crazy. So when is so as you're getting in there, having the Hepner name, do you feel like it helped or hurt you? Because like that's a lot of that's a question a lot of wrestlers get. You know. About their legacy, right? Do you get more pressure? Do you feel it was easier?
1: Uh, no, I definitely felt more pressure. Uh, I really did. Sometimes, uh, <clears throat> at some point in my career, I felt like I wish I wouldn't have. You know, it just wasn't a happener. Um because of the expectations. A, B, people thinking that you get a spot because of who you are, um, things of that nature. But, but, but overall, man, I, I, I got and, and respected and gave respect, so it, it came back to me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you brought up the, the Montreal job with your dad. From your perspective, like, how was that for you to watch play out? Like, your dad went through a lot there. People obviously saying a lot of negative things. People, like, coming up with these crazy conspiracy theories. What was that experience like? It sucked.
1: Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it did. I mean, it sucked. It, it put him in a rough spot, man, a tough spot. So a spot that I'm sure no referee would ever want to be in it's uh just one of those moments in the in in wrestling history that will never be forgotten about it'll always be talked about i mean what are we 20 something plus years into this thing and here we are me and you talking about it in 2023 i talked about it twice this week on two other podcasts including one of mine yeah uh it's just it's just one of those things that'll never go away and at this point i really almost like don't even give a shit about it no more like i I just kind of like, you know, it's 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 in the rearview mirror. It's over with. Um, not that my dad anything, did anything wrong at all. He did what he was asked. He, you know, he did what he was supposed to do for the company he worked for. It's just, it gets redundant. You know what I mean? As far as it goes. But it did, like I said, I guess the key word would be, it's, it just sucked. It just sucked.
0: So did that change your, like your perspective on the business? Like did it did it kind of make you more jaded or did it open your eyes? Like how did it how did it frame the way you looked at the uh, the business after you saw something like that happen?
1: It just kind of woke me up to the fact that in the wrestling business anything can happen at any time. And that you have to be someone with your head on a swivel. You know what I mean? You, you, you have to be ready in this business. You just have to be because things change immediately. I mean, it, it can happen. And I don't mean just the finish of a match. I don't mean that. I'm talking about anything. You know, it, it can all change. Someone can miss their flight. Someone could get sick. Someone could be drugged up. Someone could be drunk. I mean, it, it doesn't, anything can change. And that's just something that everyone that's in this business should always remember that nothing's ever set in stone. There's always gray in this wrestling business, always.
0: Yeah, and drugged up. I'm assuming you're referring to the, the Jeff Hardy uh, TNA match, correct? Yeah,
1: I, I wasn't necessarily referring to that, but that's that's a that's a great example. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's where my mind gravitated when I heard you say it. So when you get in there and you're working for WWE, then like how how is Vince McMahon treating you? What's what's your relationship like with him uh, in, in the company?
1: I mean, we really didn't have one. It was more of a dodgeball. Uh like in other words, uh if I saw him I went the other way or uh the intimidation factors, you know, th- there was conversations, but you know, in all honesty, I'm not gonna lie to you, you know, I-, I do say, you know, some things about Vince here and there, and I mean them, I'm not taking them back. Um I think that there's a sort of a devil in that body, yeah, uh, a demon of sorts. Um the wizard, would you would you would you, would you say the the bad wizard, of course. And um, but you know, I had an overseas trip experience with him and it, it kind of opened my eyes up a little bit better with Vince where he was more down to earth and not the Vince man that's backstage running a company. It was very relaxed. We had made a landing in Germany and they treated all the boys. And we went to this big bowling alley they had for us. We had all the food and me and him got to sit and powwow. Uh, we had dinner the next morning, I mean, not dinner, dinner, dinner the next morning. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it it's might've been bad. for me, but, uh, anyway, uh, we had breakfast the next morning. He actually gave me one of his tokens that one of the, the troops gave him, one of the, you know, that, that you earn. Um, so he did show a softer side of me that I probably should talk about that I never do. It's always the other side. But that's the only real moment that I have with him as far as that goes, as far as me and him really talking. Once again, we had to talk. Obviously, I had did the Vince McMahon-Hogan match at WrestleMania. I've done the Vince mcmahon um, Zach Gowen match. I've done many of his matches. So obviously I talked in that aspect, but that was just strictly business. So on a personal level, relationship-wise, Vince was Vince. He was my boss, and that was it.
0: How is it? How is it refereeing a Vince McMahon match? Is it, I'm guessing there's a lot more pressure in that situation to not get something wrong, or no?
1: Yeah, it's it's more pressure than you want. Um, I was <laughs> I, I, I was so young then, which is which was a blessing, because right now I wouldn't know what to do. Like in other words. If, uh, I could do it. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is it would be much more pressure filled than it was when I was younger. Because when I was younger, I just didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, I'll go out there. I'll I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. Now I would think about it more because when we're older, when we get older, we start to think about things differently and put them in different perspectives. So I didn't have a perspective back then. I was just gung ho. So it didn't matter. So now it would be more so stressful than it would be back then. But it was stressful still, though. Don't take me wrong.
0: Well, you kind of talk about that kind of devil within with Vince. Obviously, now we're hearing so many things about Vince McMahon, right? These allegations, the hush money stuff. And it didn't just sound like it was just Vince. It was like kind of a culture around Vince kind of issue. Did you ever notice kind of a a culture uh, like what's being described now, I guess, about Vince McMahon? Not really. Um,
1: I figured he was just a rich millionaire who ran a good business. Wanted it the way he was, and I can be a prick because I can. And if you don't like it, I'll fire you or leave.
0: Yeah. So uh, what what actually, like, led to you kind of wrapping up with WWE and taking off there? Because, like, I was trying to look into it here because it looked like your dad was gone a little bit before you left, and then you were stuck around for a little bit while after that. Am I getting that wrong?
1: No, no, no. You're right. You're exactly right. Okay. Uh, basically, once the things happened with my dad my uncle, I knew I was on a clock. I, I knew it was. Uh, meaning you can't be a hubner and be thinking you're going to stay around for a long time. So I knew it. And eventually all that really happened to be honest with you, and people can say what they want, but uh, I know the truth and the truth is, and nobody's ever disputed it. So, I mean, it would be, that's kind of dumb for me to say anything anyway, really was, but you know, it became where I did it to myself, meaning uh, I, I, I would normally catch one of the buses we had a tour buses back then. And, it was the uh, the production bus that I would catch, and that would be my ride up to the hotel. So I wouldn't have to worry about Uber, and back then they didn't have Uber; they had taxis and whatnot. Yeah. And I caught the bus, and one of the uh, people on the bus, like I don't remember who, doesn't matter, was running late. I actually got to the building late, and uh, once I got to the building, Johnny Ace, uh, they said wanted to see me, and he pulled me into the office, and he told me that he has to make a statement and it can't be his referees coming into work late and that he was going to let me go for, I think 30 or 60 days, whatever it was, and to call him back. And I called him back and he said, he didn't have anything for me, which floored me because I guess they didn't have any more matches from that point forward, uh, which is ridiculous. <laughs> you don't want any more matches. You don't need anything for a referee. Okay. I got you, bud. But um, anyway, long story short, it was bullshit uh, because uh there were fines that were supposed to be put in place your first time being late you get 500 second time was 1000 third time was i don't know 15 or 200 or 2000 whatever it was and then a possible uh suspension or whatever but none of that happened for me i was late and i was late. so that's the, that's just the nutshell of it
0: dude that's super shitty <laughs> just like let somebody go right like to kind of keep them in limbo like that seems like seems like the worst way to kind of handle that situation
1: yeah, I mean, you know, it's this has been put on record as well. I mean, and I'm not saying this was Johnny's, like his decision. Uh, I'm sure somebody higher up, and I'm sure Vince had a hard on for my dad, my uncle, and I'm sure his son being around his company probably didn't 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 help cause us. I mean, your last name is your last name. If you can't stand it, you you, you want to get rid of it. So, I don't know. It is what it is. You know what? Though, man, it was a blessing. It was a blessing in my life, and uh, I didn't know so and think so at the time, but it was a blessing in my life and I'm I'm glad the way things work out and I have no regrets. And I'm very much in a nutshell, thanking you WWE for letting me go.
0: (laughs) Well, great. Well, you know, in recent years, fans probably have seen you more on impact wrestling. I I know you did a little bit at AEW as well. And it sounds like from everything I've seen that your impact experience much different for you. It sounds like you enjoyed working there quite a bit.
1: I loved it, man. I loved it. It it, it rejuvenated my career. Uh, It made me, I'd be passionate again about wrestling because at one point, once I was let go with WWE, I, I I did not like wrestling. I didn't like anything about it. I didn't like watching it. I didn't like anything about it. Um, I had thought about never getting into it again. Uh, I didn't watch Mondays. I didn't, I didn't watch anything. I didn't watch anything wrestling. I refused to. It, what, it had
0: nothing Go ahead. Sorry. Was it more like the culture you didn't want to be around, or was it just like the product? Like what? What was it that you that made you not want to be around it? I guess.
1: I guess it was wrestling the way it was handled for me just pissed me off. I didn't want to watch any of this shit. Yeah. So I just didn't watch it. I didn't want to be around it. I didn't really want to be reminded of what was taken from me, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, so I had a you know a couple year hiatus, and finally you know got a call and felt wanted, and went to where I was wanted, and it was the best experience ever in my life. Uh, from from management, owner, locker room, to the whole travel experience, everything. It was just. So much nicer. I mean, just so much nicer. And then I, I, I just was so thankful. I was so thankful. It just, it felt like God gave me, you know, a miracle and put me in Orlando. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, and then, like I said, you also, and so you, you, you uh stepped into AEW waters there a bit as well. What was your experience like working in, in there when you were there?
1: AEW was cool, man. It was cool. Uh, very, very comparative to the TNA locker room as far as, camaraderie and things like that. It wasn't there you know. long. I wasn't there. Yeah. Know, so I can't give the full assumption. But when I was there, I was welcomed with open arms. Everyone was cool. Tony and me were cool. Uh, but, you know, we did cross-permitting with Impact and Tony was back and forth. So me and Tony even got to hang out and have some beers and stuff before. And
0: oh, nice. Very,
1: yeah, very laid back guy. And uh, the, the, the roster was cool and the atmosphere. The, their caterer was much better than what I've been accustomed to. Okay. <laughs> uh, But but yeah, it was it was it was a good experience. I mean, I'm sure those people and all the boys and all those folks in the locker room are very, very happy. I'm sure it's a very nice atmosphere.
0: Yeah. And so when you're at AEW, though, what's what's it like as an official? Like how how are you approaching a match? You know, is it the same way as when you'd approach a match and impacted WWE or did it feel different? I ask this just because I know a lot of people have different feelings about the way that officiating is kind of carried out in AEW.
1: Well, you have to remember, I, I wasn't officially working for AEW, per se. Right. What what I was was cross-promoting with Impact, and we were putting our matches on their TV. So, in other words, we were using their talent with our talent, cross-promoting, and I was the referee. Sure. So, I didn't listen to any of that shit that they do, as far as their <laughs> referees. Got it. So, you know, and I and I got along with all of them, so I'm not saying anything bad about all them. And they're all very, very nice people. They really are. I, I love all of them. They, I've, I've sat and talked with all of them. Um, but that doesn't say that I like what they do in the ring and it is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is, man. If the, if the owner's good with it and the boys that work with you and like you and like what you do, I guess what I say doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Is it, is it tough for you to watch uh, when stuff like that happens where there's just like things that you know that you would have gotten talked to about or otherwise, if it had played out the way that it, you're seeing it on TV?
1: Um, I'll just say this, Uh I have to, I have to tailgate before I watch Dynamite. Okay. <laughs> um, Yeah, because it does, it does get under my skin. It does. It does. Certain things and certain, certain things that people do, uh, it, it gets under my skin because I just feel like it just kind of tarnishes the, the things that the people before me and the people that were during me and the people that were a little after me have built as far as referees go and what they do. And it's just like another world. It's another world. It's just crap I've never seen, man.
0: It's it was it's it, it surprised me at SummerSlam. There were a couple infractions that I know people pointed to that like didn't seem like stuff that would have happened just a couple years ago. I mean, Cody slamming the steel steps into Brock in a, in a match that's supposed to be straightforward, and then the explicit rule of tribal combat was nobody can interfere or get involved, and yet the finish of the match comes from like. Jimmy Oso jumping and in, in jumping Roman Reigns. Are you surprised to see that the WWE is letting stuff like that through or no? no? No, no.
1: It's not AEW. This is not a pick on AEW. When I talk about refer, you know officiating, should I say? Yeah. Um, it's not just AEW. It's it's them too. Um, you know, I know you listen to my podcast every week. Wink, <laughs> wink. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, me and Jimmy just touched on that this week on our you know refer review. I have a segment that's called reference review where. I'll watch all this product. God bless me uh, for the week. And, um, you know, figure out the things that really need to be noted. And um, the things you just said were, we're on the show.
0: Yeah, and, I know. Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's if it's on your show, it's on my show, then there's a problem. That's what I'm trying to say. Then there's a problem. And the problem I once had, and I'm trying to just let it go, is that Tony Khan out of his mouth said, that people don't care about the referees. That's such horseshit. And I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to say that. I apologize. Um, But it's bad. I mean, that's bad when the owner of a company is basically saying he doesn't care what his referees do. No one cares. Yes, they do. I wouldn't have one segment on my show dedicated to referees, even though I'm one. People would say, well, just because you're a referee. No, it's because it's being done wrong. It's being done wrong. So I'm trying to not nitpick, but fix or point out how things could be better. That's it, you know. And people can get mad all they want to. I can have an opinion, just like everyone else. Why can't I voice my opinion and somebody not get mad?
0: You know so, what I mean. So when wait, when Tony said that, when where did when and where did Tony say that? Was that something he said backstage, or was that something he said in an interview? Because I'm no, he
1: sure. no, he said it on Busted Open Radio. Oh, okay.
0: Then yeah, I stuff. wish
1: I could pull the excerpt for you. I'll go for you. Uh, fine. it's on there. It's on there. And, and, and word for word is not exactly the way I'm saying it. He, But word for word, I know he said people don't care about the referee or don't pay attention to the referee. That's mm. not true.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, you know, to kind of get into the nuance of the art, the, the referees are what make the action real. Right. You know, the fact that there are these barriers, there's these infractions, there's these rules that's what makes it real, right? Giving the re- the referees the authority to push guys around and let them know that hey, you've got to get back to what's going on here. That's where a lot of the realism comes in a wrestling match. So, I
1: mean, that's where it's supposed to, man. Nick, you're right. I mean, but 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 the thing is, that's not what's happening today, and it's just not. And that's why it, it, it infuriates me. That's why I, this mental light's getting drank before I watch the show.
0: <laughs> got it. Um,
1: so terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm being dead serious, man. It's just it very it is very frustrating, you know. And I jokingly said on reffing it up this week that I would love to be the Paul Heyman of the referees. I would love to be – what does he call himself? Let's see if you know Nick.
0: He, uh, the the wise man? Not that oh, one. The special counsel? Not that one. The <laughs> super agent? <laughs> the, <laughs> which, which moniker are you looking for here with Paul Heyman? I Advocate?
1: Want- There you go. Got it. Okay. See, I was twisting around trying to see if you knew. I figured you'd spit it right, but you were right. The ones he's using recently are the ones you just said.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yes, but I would
1: like—I would like to be the advocate for referees. I think it could work
0: as like an angle. Hell
1: no, for a shoot. For a shoot, like oh, so like a union rep. No, like me go to AEW and stay there for four months. And work with them and have them have someone to answer to, to come back. Hey, Brian, how was this? Well, let me tell you, this was this, this, this was this. You did this great. This was wonderful. Let me show you your position on this one, where you should have been. Oh, on that finish, instead of you looking right at it, you could have done this. And spend another time, four months, at Impact Wrestling and do the same thing. In other words, monetize what they're doing. Have someone to answer to that's specifically watching what they do, just like wrestlers have.
0: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like an agent or a producer. I I'm 100% with you, Brian, and I would love for you to do that, but it just doesn't seem like there's an appetite over there for that. Maybe on Collision because they're doing things a little bit differently on Collision, but the vibe on Dynamite seems to be that pro wrestling gorilla vibe, that Southern Cali vibe where it was more just about, you know, the wrestlers and and reinventing, you know, spins and different things. And the referees kind of took a backseat in, in PWG and became more a part of the show. That's at least the way of I, I've interpreted it, you know?
1: I mean, here's the
0: thing. At the end of the day, no
1: matter what you're trying to do, you can do a 450 60, whatever you want to do off the top of a scaffolding that's 20 feet high above the floor and whatever. You still need a ref. And the referee still has a job to do. No matter how much you try to innovate and create different things, you need a referee that helps tell a story. It's just as simple as that. That aspect of wrestling will never change. It's been around for over 100 years. Why would it change now? No matter how they're trying to flip what dynamite is to collision, it's still wrestling. It's still in four corners. It's still with a barricade. It's still got floor mats. It still has a ramp. It still has rules. I don't know, man. It gets frustrating, dude.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I saw one of your uh, uh, posts where you uh, thought it was Petey Williams that handed off the brass knuckles to Logan Paul. You feel pretty confident about that?
1: I'm absolutely positive in that. Now, I don't know if they're going that way. I don't know if that was just one guy they used to do it. I can tell you right now, that guy, that picture's Petey Williams. I've worked around Petey Williams for many years. <laughs> I know that nose. I know those arms. I know that. I know. I'm telling you. I know that's Petey Williams.
0: Well, Petey, I think Petey. It wasn't he training Logan. Wasn't Logan working with him or not? Am I making that up? I'm not positive. I've heard
1: that too, but that's not where I got that from. I okay. had just seen. I had just seen that picture online, pinched it, squeezed it open, and looked, and it was two seconds. I went, "That's Petey Williams."
0: Okay, it's it was just so, it was such a weird finish too, right? Because it like came out of nowhere, and then Logan the, Logan Paul's gone, Ricochet's back to being a wrestler, and he just got screwed over the night before. Very odd, very odd. Lot a lot of weird booking coming out of that show. Shayna Baszler's booking on the other side of the Rousey match. I also found that very very interesting to say the least. It, I don't know. Uh, it, do you feel like they're losing a step right now? Especially people were not loving the the bloodline stuff at the end of the show with Jimmy coming back, from what I've seen.
1: Um, you know what, for a long time. Listen, wrestling is on fire right now. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. But here's the thing. You take the bloodline story away, and in my opinion, and maybe maybe I'm missing one and you could probably tell me more. Okay. You take the bloodline story away, and basically wrestling though, as far as Storylines, creativity is the shits. Overall, overall, what is going on at AEW? Tell me the main story.
0: (laughs) Well, I would argue the main story is CM Punk versus the Elite trying to put on a better show at the moment. Um, Okay, that, 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 that that, that has nothing to do with casual fans that are watching. No, it does not. So tell me where we're at there. Um they're tr- I mean look yeah I I agree with you Brian I they don't they I think they would probably tell you uh look at the work we're doing with MJF and Adam Cole right everybody loves this act right look look at what we're doing with FTR everybody loves this act right I don't know if you can hear the inflection uh, of my voice I'm doing an impression of a certain somebody I hear you I hear you good I'm <laughs> <Okay>. doing it. <laughs> yeah um I think that they would uh, I think they would point to acts that they've pushed consistently but that is not the same as storytelling that's that, Listen, alright Before I just say anything else Take the Bloodline storyline
1: away Where are we at?
0: I think, that the, I think you could point to the judgment days As at least something that they have Been trying to be creative with I think Dominic Mysterio They've really slow played him and let him Kind of tell some different stories to kind of get to his heat And the whole stuff with Rhea Ripley I, I think that you could point to some stuff With the judgment day, but outside of that it is pretty tough
1: that, That's my point So here's me as a casual fan. I like to look at it like that now. I'm retired, and I've always looked at it. It has nothing to do with being retired. Here's me. I want to watch a show that has me mesmerized by a story in it where I'm like, bought in, hook, fish, sinker. Like, like, all right, wow, okay. So I see that Seth Rollins doesn't want to fight Brock Lesnar. I'm making this up.
0: Right. Doesn't
1: want to fight Brock Lesnar, but Bright's Brock's just not letting him go. And he's the champion. Seth is just does Seth doesn't want to defend the title. And then they do skits and they have things that draw me each and every week to make this story prolonged to get to your payoff. And those days are gone, it just seems. And I know that was a stupid thing I just said right there, but no. it's it's I want I want story and and, and cliffhangers week after week. I want to know different things. That's and it's not there for me. I'm not, I'm not dying to watch dynamite tonight. I know what they've advertised. Okay. But they've come out of nowhere. So why are the Hardys facing the bucks? Why?
0: Um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure just because they thought it would be a cool match. Right. <laughs> and, Jeff, and then Jeff, Jeff's allowed to compete in the United States. He hasn't been able to compete here in several weeks. So, um, I would argue that's probably the only reason there's not a huge storyline there. No, but that, but that's dynamites. That's, but again, that's more kind of the PWG. So, SoCal independent wrestling style. And I get, I don't say, I want to say I get a lot of heat, but it's not, it's not okay to say AEW does indie wrestling. People get very sensitive about that, but their style on Wednesday nights is that of an independent promotion, in Southern California. It is the pro wrestling guerrilla style. And Look, they don't want to be like WWE. WWE has its model. It's a model you know, and it's the reason you get frustrated because they're not doing that model. But there's a reason that model exists, right? There's a reason certain things have been kind of refined over time that work, and I think that you're right about empowering the referees and focusing more on stories that that draw people in to give a reason to watch these matches. I I thought of another storyline as we were talking when you say remove the bloodline. I think Cody Rhodes is probably the best storyline in wrestling outside of the bloodline because it's very, very simple, right? Cody wants to win the Universal Championship. You can put things in front of him, but on the other side of that, the story is still the same. Cody Rhodes wants to win the Universal Championship. And that story is arguably so good that it overshadowed Roman Reigns at WrestleMania when Cody did not get to finish the story everybody wanted to see told.
1: No, I agree. I agree. And let me just go back on what you just said. You're right. AEW is not WWE and they're nowhere near. Um, You're right. And I don't know what model that they think they want to go away from or whatever, but it doesn't matter. They're not at WWE at all. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, But do you not find yourself though, kind of like in a, like a blur, like, all right, I, I don't know what I just watched week in and week out on both shows after it's all said and done, you know, and I know that you said the model of dynamite is, announcing these matches that have nothing to do with story or anything, just throwing them out there and all that stuff. Well, that's why they're going to average 884,000 viewers a week and not move the needle at all, because there's no reason to move the needle. They're going to have their hardcore fans. Don't get me right. They're awesome. They're doing great. I'm not knocking the product. 884,000 viewers is wonderful in today's cable you know, business world. But it ain't going nowhere, and it's not going to go nowhere. It's not. Because there's no reason for casual viewers that don't normally watch it to look at it and say, I got to tune in next week. They're not leaving you with that. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the casual fan's going to watch it and go, oh, that was pretty cool. What's next week? Oh, well, I don't even remember. It doesn't matter to me. They're not going on the internet and looking at what he's advertising. They're not going on that. They're not, they're not on, on Twitter looking at what, you know, what they're advertising for, they're going to do tonight. And then until they not you know, get some story or get some kind of cliffhanger or some kind of story where people want to watch It's not going to move. And if it moves, it ain't going to move much. It's good. They're, they're where they're at. They're where they're at.
0: Well, and I think uh, to kind of counter that, I think collision, you know, they've done a good job on Saturday nights of picking a core group of talents that they really do want to try to seem to get people behind. You know, we saw the FTR bullet club gold stuff play out over a couple weeks early in the show. Samoa, Joe, CM Punk, Ricky Starks have all kind of been in a mix since the beginning of the show. And each week, they have one match, at least, coming out of that show that features their core group of players Go uh, setting up uh, some kind of bout the next week. You're going to have some other stuff, but you're going to have at least one match that you know has some kind of reason for existing coming out of this show. And that's been very consistent on Saturday nights, but it ha- it's not that way always on Dynamite. It very, very rarely is like that, actually.
1: I've, I've watched Collision one time. That was the first one they had. I had things to do with Saturday eight o'clock, and I'm not and I'm not setting my DVR to watch it again on Sunday. I got oh. things to do on Sunday too. We got football coming. That's going to be a rough spot to fill, man. That that time slots to be rough. They took a beating. Uh, Collision did this week. I mean, a
0: beating. Yeah, they did. Well, they did, you know to be fair, and that is look, that is accurate, right? But they did better than I thought. I thought they were going to do mid three hundred thousands they managed to push over 400,000 and stay in the top 20 on cable. So I don't want to be too, too, too doom and gloom because there was a lot of competition. On nights where they don't have that competition, obviously things have fared better for them, right? What well, do you they, think? I go ahead. Were, I thought they were ranked 65th in cable. I saw they were ranked number, I can bring it up here real quick. I'm pretty sure they were ranked number 19. Let me check real quick. You're probably right. I probably saw something else. It might have been, I don't know. Here, I couldn't No, you might be right. I don't no. want to say I'm right. I don't want to say I'm right. Because I have I have the I have the uh, Russell email here right now. Okay, August fifth plus yeah. rankings. They did collision ranked. This is for August fifth. Collision ranked number sixteen and okay. P eighteen to forty nine. So it did it did better. Yes. Oh,
1: that, but that's in that that's in that uh, age age group.
0: Yes, in the in the in the key demo, they ranked number sixteen for the night. Yeah. So okay. uh, overall, maybe, they overall they overall uh, viewership they may have been lower. Yes,
1: maybe that was what it was. I don't know.
0: Yeah, uh, they, say, they say that. And look, the, 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 the key demo is that's where the rankings come from. And so Warner wants them in the top five. They fell below that. They're down to 16. Not great. But again, heavy competition. I don't know that they got buried. What do you uh? what do you think of CM Punk?
1: Well, um, I don't know what there is to think of CM Punk. Like, what is CM Punk? Uh, he's a mid Carter wow he's a, he's, a, he's a mick carter he's he's not a he's not a top level wrestler he's he's a he's a main event thinker he's a main event money maker he's a main event causing chaos <laughs> he's a money maker chaos making main eventer as far as a wrestler i could care two shits to watch him do a match seriously really,
0: absolutely
1: yeah. And
0: you don't think his his in-ring style is at the level of other main eventers that you've worked with in the ring?
1: So, I'm not trying to flip this question. I'm just trying to see what you would say. Okay. Can you name people that you think that he's close to, near, ability-wise in the ring? In-ring, I mean, so are you saying he's better than, say, Randy Orton? Are you saying he's better than uh, Seth Rollins? Is he better than Roman Reigns? Is he better than... Uh, MJF is he better than shit? Even Ricky Starks at this point is he better than Jake Paul or Jake, or what is what's
0: Logan I, yeah. Paul, the other Paul? Look
1: at Paul. Uh, no, he's not. I mean, that's my opinion. Now, I'm leaving it in your court, not taking your opinion away. And sure, do you agree or not? I mean, or you tell me who he's better than that where he's at in his statures, main event, main guy in that company.
0: Um, I think that Punk has probably taken. More towards the main event style of the mid '90s, which is kind of out of fashion at the moment, um, in a way. And and I'll say that I'll say that because after talking to Sean Waltman at length about the way that that crew did matches, when you really slow things down and tell the story, it doesn't. You're not doing a whole lot, and I agree. Randy Orton is probably the best at that. He's a fantastic wrestler. Punk does not do as much as others but i think what the selling point is with punk is like you said he creates interest around himself right and that's what makes the matches better right i can watch two great wrestlers that really didn't do anything to make me interested and enjoy it but i'll watch two guys that maybe aren't as good a wrestlers but man do i care about them or want to see somebody's ass get kicked that's kind of like its own thing, you know? And I think Punk just falls into a, I think he falls into a different category. I think it's very fair to to sit there and hold his style up against others and, you know, criticize it. But when it comes to, you know, creating attention and creating emotion and making you want to see somebody's get their ass kicked or watch him kick somebody's ass, I think he's probably one of the better people at that.
1: I mean, here's the thing. I think most people tune in or want to watch him because of the controversy. Right, because of the things that he does, to your point. Nobody is really watching him, unless you just are infatuated with the guy, is really tuning in to watch his wrestling abilities. I mean, they're not. They're not going, okay, I can't wait to watch this match with CM Punk because you know he's going to be phenomenal. No, they're not. They're What they're doing is they're going, well, this has got a match with CM Punk. Let's see if he does something stupid afterwards and has something to say or before. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's about controversy causes cash. And that's what his... Listen, he's a very smart man. I don't hate smart people. I, I think smart people are very cool, and I would like to meet some more of them. Right. But you know, he's just an average wrestler, man. He, I mean, he really is.
0: All right, and that's totally fair, right? And a lot of some lot some people say that. You know, some will say the other on on Punk. But look, the the guy is still, you know, got he's got his own show. They call him One Bill Phil. Apparently, apparently they think he's worth a bunch of money or something like that. You're saying it's all in his mind. He's smart, man. He's smart. Yeah. Um, you worked with Brock Lesnar a little bit when, it, when he was early in his career. At WWE. Am I am I right? Yes, I did. What was it like for you to see him as a mature, uh, evolved adult doing good by Cody Rhodes at SummerSlam and putting him over and creating a moment like that, considering how you saw him as a younger man?
1: Okay, everybody's going to think I'm negative after this show with you.
0: No, I'm just wondering. I'm just passing the ball around. Trying to get your thoughts on a couple things, that's all. I hated it. What? I hated it. You've got to be like the only person who hates you? Why did you hate Brock Lesnar putting over Cody Rhodes like that?
1: Well, so are you saying he was passing the torch?
0: It looked a little bit like that. I think in Brock's head he was, yeah. All right, he's passing the torch to Cody for what? What, what, what torch? I think Brock sees Cody is, is the, is the guy I'm going. So you were, so when Brock came, I think, no, you weren't there. Brock came back after his UFC run. Were you that you weren't there? You was just after. No, 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 no. No, it was just after you, you had left. When Brock came back from his UFC run uh, should have beat John Cena immediately at that extreme rules match. And for whatever reason, they had John Cena beat him. And I think that has always kind of stuck with Brock. If I had to guess, just based off of things that I've, Seen him say and Paul say and and just looking at the timeline, it really felt like to me Brock wanted to come back and do the opposite of that with Cody. What what he kind of wished had happened to him when he came back from the UFC. So I I for what it was the the ride I was on I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it elevated Cody, kept him really strong, and you know makes you want to see him push forward with his story. You know to see where he can go.
1: I, I I can't say that, I, that there's not some like. So what you're saying, okay, but but what? here's me, though. Okay. What does that do for Brock? And not only that, no one's ever seen that part of him, which I think should never be seen. That should have been something backstage he did in front of all the boys, in front of all that stuff. It, it, it really, in a nutshell, if you think about it, I don't think because there's not a lot of talk about it, to be honest with you. I don't think it did really too much for Cody. I mean, it didn't. I just think that everybody's like, oh, that was so nice. That was so sweet. We've never seen this from Brock. The Beast. Brock. Lassner. We've never seen that. But yet, it was just done. And there's no torch he's passing. It's Cody Rhodes, for God's sakes. No one ever doubted Cody and his abilities except WWE for some reason at one point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I don't see a torch being passed. I don't see it was a great match. I liked it. I loved it. All right, well, go to the back. Shake his hand. Do the things that people in the back have never seen you do. Don't do it in front of the people because when you come back after your four months with whatever you're doing, hunting or whatever it is you're doing this time, um, they'll remember it then. They'll go, oh, that's the soft rock. I don't know. I I just...
0: I get where you're going. I I, I I totally get where you're going. It does, because it does feel like something, if you're going to do it, you do it at the very end. And I think that's what raises, and I mean the end of your career, right? If you're going to be, you know, uh, Stan Hansen, right? At the very end, maybe you, you give a kid a hug, right? But, yeah. you know, it. but there does appear to be more time left on Brock's card, and it does put him in an interesting situation on the other side of this, of getting back that edge, right? Because he's become... A little. I'm not leaving. Oh no, you're fine. He's become a little, a little lighter, you know, in, in recent years. I feel like between the Brock box and then the the ponytail that his daughters gave him. Um, I'm interested to see where he goes from here. I don't know how much longer his career has. He's been going for a long time, obviously. Hey, maybe this
1: changes the direction of his career when he comes back. Maybe. And if that does happen, then I'll say, all right, I'm sorry. I, I get what they're doing now. All right, I get it. But otherwise, to me. I didn't think it was terrible. Like, like I know I said, hate. that's a strong word. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was appropriate. I didn't think that it needed to happen. I don't think it mattered one way or another. Had he not done it, it wouldn't have mattered. Everybody would have still walked away with the same attachment and emotions that they had toward that match. I don't think that him doing that goes, Oh, well that just made it that much better. Now that, you know, that was awesome. He even knows it. So Cody's the man. I I don't believe that's what that did.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Brian, I, I, I've taken you double what I told you I was gonna do here today. Um, I had a wonderful conversation. So we'll we'll put a pin on this for now, cause I'd love to come back and chat more stuff with you. Um, or you know, whatever. I'll come talk to you, you and Jimmy as well. Whatever. He's he's familiar with me at this point. Um, but for you, obviously, you chose to step away, retire. How is that decision weighing on you? Are you happy away from the business, or do you ever get the itch?
1: I have not gotten the itch. Um, I'm very proud of the decision I made. I did it mainly for my family. I did it mainly for, you know, I've got a son that's 20 years old. He's going back to school. I have two twin 14-year-old girls. Um, I'm a single dad. And I did not want to do to my daughters, who I think daughters need their daddies. And I just thought that you know, to do what I did to my son, which my son was fine with. He he, he got it. Girls don't get it. They want their dad. They don't understand why you're leaving. Um, they don't get why you, you're you never there for their birthdays or their games and stuff like that. And I I just felt like I've done a lot in this business and not arrogantly, but I've done a whole lot in this business and I'm very proud of everything I've done. And kind of just felt like you know there's other things i want to do and just feel like i've done a lot and done what i needed to do and there's not much more for me left i mean wrestlemania's slammiversaries uh bound for glories i mean you know royal rumbles all that stuff i mean i've done it all uh main event at wrestlemania i mean you know it doesn't get any bigger and so to me uh being in good shape being healthy not being knocked around and you know beating the shit out of, which don't get me wrong, you know, 20 plus years I've gotten the shit beat out of me, but I think it's time for me to stop getting the shit beat out of me and let me like chill and uh, enjoy my kids, play some basketball, be able to be able to walk and do that. Let's go bowling. Let's do things. So, uh, but I do miss the business. I do miss my, my, my friends and I miss the backstage and there's a lot to miss, but I don't miss not sleeping in my bed. I don't miss missing those flights or catching those flights or getting up early for those flights all the rude people in the world that I don't have to deal with anymore. If I don't want to deal with them and just go home and shut my door and lock it and have a middle light. It's just so much better right now for me at this point in my life. And I'm no spring chicken, man. I'm 49 years old. So.
0: That's hey, you're still a young man. Come on now. Don't make me feel old. I'm 38.
1: No. <laughs> 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 I, 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 listen, I know I could do it right now at a high level for like 10 more years. I know that. I stay in shape. I go to the gym. You know, I, I, I'm ready. I mean, if someone called me, had a retirement match they wanted to do, and they wanted me to be the ref, I am ready. Um, and I'm always going to be ready. Because you never know what happens in the business the wrestling that we talked about right at the beginning of your show.
0: Yeah. So,
1: I'm, I'm good with it, man. I don't have an itch yet. Nope. No itch.
0: All right. Brian, I want to thank you so much for the time. Where do you want to send people to find you, follow you, support you, all those great things? Yeah, man. You can follow me on
1: Instagram and Twitter at the same handle, which is at Hebner. You can also see and listen every, each and every week on Wednesdays for Riffin' It Up. And uh, it's with myself and Jimmy Corderas, and then I have a co-host named RJ. And basically, we cover a wrestler each and every week. We talk about today's happenings. I have a riff and review where I typically will go completely nuts. Uh, so if you want to hear somebody go nuts and go crazy, uh, it's a good, good segment to watch. Or, or listen
0: to. <laughs> Very true.